now listening to Grace City Portland. So last week, Simon started, we started a, a series in Mark, and, and Simon just so, you know, it's just, how, how many miss Simon? <laughs> oh, great. Gregory, don't raise your hand, man. I think that makes me feel. I know, I do too. I do too. In fact, I really wish he was here right now. So um, Simon is awesome, and, and I appreciate Simon. Simon is a, uh, he's a tremendous preacher. He's a tremendous teacher. And so last week, he walked us through the history, uh, uh, going through uh, Israel's history, talking about all of it leading up to this very point that we're uh, starting in, in Mark. So the Gospel of Mark, how many know that we have one gospel Right? There's one story of Jesus, but there's four gospel accounts. And so this is Mark's account of the gospel, and it's believed that, that Mark wrote this uh, uh, kind of through the eyes of Peter, that Mark, uh, Peter was Mark's mentor, and he hung around with Peter a lot, and Peter wrote uh, a lot of notes and things, and, and that's where Mark got, uh, got his account of his gospel. His gospel is different, and he's, he's kind of writing to uh, Gentile believers, and they believe that he was writing to these Gentile believers in Rome, in Rome during the time of Nero. And I don't know if you know about Nero, and I'm sure you've, you've heard stories about Nero, and, and uh, all you guys are so educated anyway. I'm the, I'm the dumb one, but I did study up on Nero a little bit. And, uh, and, and we know all the old stories about Nero, but he was a wicked dude, man. He was a, a horrible, wicked human being, barely a human being. And so during that time of... Uh, persecution, where Nero was doing all kinds of things. They believe that Mark at that time, he was developing this, this, uh, these stories, a little biography, like Simon said last week, of Jesus' life. And it was probably going to be read in these churches that already knew about Jesus. They already knew about his, his life. They already knew about his stories. But Mark kind of put this together to encourage them, not only to show them just the awesomeness of Jesus, the Son of God, because he starts it all off with the Son of God, but also that Jesus was going to suffer, and that we, as they were, are going to suffer a bit in our Christian walk or Christian life. So he goes on, uh, uh, Simon went on very well, and please listen to the tape again, because he goes back and he, he walks it so, so uh, uh, greatly through all the history, and he kind of goes back to... Uh, to uh, uh, Abraham, the very promise of Abraham, Moses, he goes through the wilderness, he goes through all the three different exiles and all the different prophets that are talking about this very day that, we're, that we begin to read in Mark, the very day that Jesus shows up on a scene. And so I get to preach out of uh, 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 Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. And so this is a radical thing, and it's, it's a tremendous uh, a portion of scripture. It's a tremendous text, but it's going to be, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to let Simon come back maybe and unpack some of that because there's a lot involved in this. But I want to share from my heart because I, I thought about this this morning and I thought about what, you know, what can I offer you? This is my church. This is my church. I used to sit right there. I always sit there. So you guys look good today from the front because I always see you from the back. <laughs> I always see the back of your hair and it looks, you know, most of it looks pretty good. But uh, now looking at, in the front, I see your smiles, and it's nice to, to be in front of you this morning. It's a privilege. But uh, I thought about, when he asked me to preach, I thought, well, what can I say? What am I going to be able to say? I'm, I'm a little old and uh, a little older than you, and uh, uh, I want to say something that will help us this morning, because this is my church. 
This is my family. And so I began to think about how can I give justice to this text, and I just began to think about my own life. So today, I'm going to share a little bit about my own story about this text and about Jesus coming on the scene after all of the buildup and after all of the history. How many know Jesus didn't just drop out of the sky, right? He's, he, he, is, he's the, he is the whole reason that the whole thing uh, was written, all of the Word of God from the Old Testament. And if you're visiting this morning, the Old Testament is just the old covenant that God had had with his people Israel. And then we're moving now, we're entering into this new covenant, this New Testament, this, these new people, these radical new people. And we see this guy, John the Baptist, and he, uh, uh, you know, what a, what a radical guy. And he's baptizing people. He's baptizing Jewish people in the River of Jordan, where the River of Jordan, there are people that were Gentiles. And this is where we get the word proselyte, and proselytes, uh, Gentiles wanted to become Jews. And the only way that you could have become a Jew, either be born a Jew, or you had to go through circumcision, you had to go through uh, these rituals. Well, they started baptizing these Gentiles in the Jordan. And it had to be, Simon talked about it uh, uh, last week, about immersion. They were practicing those ceremonial things. But this was radical. These were Gentiles that were getting baptized to become Jews in the Jordan. So as, as John the Baptist is as, is calling people to repentance. He's calling them to a new thing, a brand new thing, a brand new uh, 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 baptism of repentance. And all the Jewish leaders and all the Jewish, uh, uh, all the, all the uh, uh, Sadducees and the Pharisees, all the political religious dudes, because they were, they were very political. They were getting ticked off. And they said, you know, we don't need to be baptized. And they come out and they see this crazy guy. It sound, he sounds crazy, but he's, but, but he's been in the wilderness with God all of his life, and God had called him to do this, and, and here he is, and in a moment of time, he gets to introduce our Savior. He gets to introduce Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, he starts with, and it's a radical scene, man, and all the Jews that were there, it says all of them were watching. They all came out to see this John. John was the Elijah that the, uh, the prophet uh, uh, Malachi was talking about at the very end. Again, all that history last week. I don't have time to go into that, but it was awesome. And Malachi prophesied about Elijah. I'm going to send Elijah, and he's going to introduce the Son of God. And it's an awesome scene, man. Jesus came into my life, broke into my life radically in uh, 1984. I was 24 years old, and... Um, Long story, and if I start telling my testimony, Carrie's going to stand up, she'll throw something at me, so um, I have a tendency to talk a little bit, but uh, so uh, I, I, got, I got saved, if you're here and you're just you know, visiting with us, you don't understand, saved is kind of, a, uh, kind of a Bible word for, you know, Jesus came into the world to save the world, he didn't come into the world to condemn it, and, uh, and God reached out in my life at 24 years old. I never stepped into a church all my life. I wasn't a, a, a Christian. My parents weren't. My sisters weren't. They aren't to this day. Uh, but something happened in my life, and I, I, I got saved, and Jesus came in and broke into my life. So anyway, uh, Carrie and I, were, we started going to this little four-square church, and a good friend of mine, he became my friend, my mentor. He started helping me. Him and I started working at a cabinet shop together. And so we're working at a cabinet shop in Woodburn, and so we're driving back to Newburgh. This is in Newburgh, right up the road. You guys know where that is. So we, uh, we're coming back from work, and I thought, you know what? Dude, I want to be baptized in a river. 
Jesus was baptized in a river. I want to get baptized in a river. He goes, hey, we're going to have a baptism at the church. It'll be coming up. They do it in a swimming pool at Shehalem Park and Rack in Newburgh, which we did before. But uh, I wanted to get baptized in a river. So I told him, I said, look, let's stop at Shampooey Park on the way home because I was in between Newburgh. And I want you to baptize me in the river, in the Willamette River. And so he did. <laughs> so we, we go down to the river and there's a, there's a, 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 a where's Jorge at? There's some Hispanic brothers uh, fishing, and they're fishing on each side of the, of the river. And so, uh, so we walk down there, we take our shirts off, and that was in the day when I could take my shirt off and I looked okay. And, uh, <laughs> and so he baptized me in the water. He baptized me in the river. It was cold. It was like in the, in the winter. And, uh, and, and, and down I go, and up I come, and it was powerful. And I felt the Holy Spirit come, come upon me, and I felt the heavens open, and I felt God say, this is my son. And, and so anyway, we were pretty wild in those days, and we told everybody about Jesus everywhere we went, and so we would carry around these little chick tracks that, that had a little story about Jesus, and so uh, after I got up out of baptism, we went to those fishermen, those Hispanic brothers fishing in the river, and we witnessed to them, shared the gospel, told them what we were doing, and they prayed a prayer with us, and we had an awesome time. That was my baptism, but it was great. It was great. Let's read Mark today, because... I need to get into this scripture for sure. <laughs> Bear with me. It's been a long time. Again, privilege for me to be up here. So thankful. And so much love at this church, my church. This is my church, my family. Amen. All right. So Mark chapter 1, verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came out up out of the water, immediately... He saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. He said, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Then the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Let me pray real quick for, for Simon and for me this morning for us. Father, thank you for Simon, God, our pastor, and surely I pray for Simon as he ministers in Corvallis at Grace City right now this morning and all through the day and the the evening service. God, be with him. Fill him with joy, God, and just use him in Corvallis. I thank you, Lord, for for just this day, for this morning service, for everyone in this place today. Uh, I pray, God, that I can just be a mouthpiece for you and just speak uh, for you, speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. So I told Simon I couldn't do this, and he, and he threatened me. He said, Dave, if you don't preach, you're not coming back to this church. You can't, you're not welcome here. So. so no, he never said that. So I was thinking about how I, what I could do um, and what I could uh, uh, preach out of this text because it's a powerful text, and there's a lot in this text. And I love when Simon preaches Simon's a great preacher, and we are very blessed people. We are very blessed to have him. And I'm not a Bible scholar this morning, far from it. But I, I, I do have a pretty good relationship with Jesus, and I do love you guys. And you love me, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I want to talk about something that's pretty, pretty heavy in my life, but I want to share some things with you about the wilderness, because I have some experience being in the wilderness so 18 years ago, uh, and just bear with me, but 18 years ago, I preached my last sermon. 
This is the first sermon I've, I've preached in 18 years. So I've been working on this sermon for 18 years, so I probably will get you out of here by 3 o'clock. We're hoping. <laughs> We're hoping. 18 years ago, uh, Carrie and I and uh, uh, Taylor, my son, Sierra, my beautiful daughter, and my other daughter, Carly, who's down in, in Corvallis on staff in Grace City, uh, we went to Zambia. We went to Chingola, Zambia. It's a little town up in the Copper Belt, and uh, we went there to take over the church. And by this time in my life, I had been a pastor for about 11 years. I had planted churches uh, in Portland. Uh, We had a nice church building on 80th and Gleason. Um, And so uh, my whole life from the time I got saved was just about telling people about Jesus. Was fortunate to to, uh, be involved in a a fellowship of churches out of that Foursquare church that believed in evangelism, believed in discipleship, believed in planting churches. It's a great fellowship. It's still around today. They planted over 2,600 churches all over the world. And uh, so our, our whole goal was just to tell people about Jesus. That's what I grew up. I was 24 years old. Yes, this was 1984. Times maybe were a little bit different, but it was a great time. And so I pastored and I planted churches in Bend and all around Portland and Tigard and, uh, and, and God used my life and it was a tremendous time. I was able to go around the world and preach for different guys all through the states and different things. I was able to Uh, by myself, I snuck into Cuba in 1995, and I was able to preach uh, in some underground, uh, yeah, funny, I know, because it was crazy. My dad didn't like me, my dad wasn't saved, and he said, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, and uh, I somehow finagled my way when the internet was brand new, and I tagged in with some, uh, they were called Pastors for Peace, but they were lawyers, and they were anti-American lawyers, and they would go to Cuba, and they would bring money, and they would bring food, and I told them that I was going to meet a guy that had some clinics out in the country. Well, they were underground churches, and so I had never met this guy. This was all kind of, God set this all up, and it was pretty crazy. Anyway, I I didn't want to talk about that because it it takes too long, and Carrie's getting mad already, so... uh, my life had been awesome. Jesus saved me. I never grew up in church. I was radical. I was a partier for many years. That's all I did. But I was successful. I was happily married. Carrie and I had been married for three years. We had our son Taylor, who was eight months old. And, and God reached down and he touched my life. But I found myself in Africa, 11 years after ministry, 18 years in this fellowship of serving God every day, doing everything that I, I knew God wanted me to do in my life. We took over this church in Africa, and it was a, the last sermon I preached was on a cement platform in a giant circus tent, because our church was out in, out in the uh, Copper Belt, uh, it was out where, uh, it was like 350,000 people, but it was the slums, man, it was way out. And so we had this big church, uh, a tent, we had all of these precious people, we took over this church, about 450 people, by the time we left in about a year, little over a year, uh, we had about 750 people, we saw God, I saw God do miracle after miracle, it was a tremendous time in our lives, but something happened in Africa, and I, I ran into something I'd never run into before, and it was a, it was a, it was a leadership issue. And so a good friend of mine, he was pastoring in Seattle. When I pastored in Portland, we knew each other for years. He had gone to Africa. He became the leader of this, this uh, fellowship. He became the leader of all the missionaries there. And so uh, he began to do some things. And I don't want to get into that too much because I've forgiven him, and that's part of this whole story. But I found myself with my family in Africa. We sold everything we had. We were in Africa. And, and, and my kids hated me for the first three months. They hated us for moving to Africa. It was very difficult. 
It was very difficult. Africa was a blessing and, a, and just a, a, a tremendous, uh, a, a difficult time. Carrie and I both got malaria, almost died. Uh, just, just a lot of problems. A lot of things were happening. So missionaries, anyway, were angry at this pastor, at this leader. And we, we got together, and I began to hear some of the stories, and I'm like, wow, what's going on here? And, and found out some things that, that maybe he was doing that, that he shouldn't have been doing as a leader, and these missionaries were upset. Nobody would say anything. But I did, like an idiot, this stupid, prideful man that I am. And I said some things, and I was marked as a rebel. And I was marked as a rebel, and it, it, it became very bad. There was a lot to the story, and I, can't, I don't have time to go into that. But I got threatened on the telephone by the leader of this fellowship, who I respected and admired and still do to this day. And, and I got threatened, my wife and I, and we're going to pull you out of there. You're causing problems. You need to just do what you're told to do. And I said, no, you're, you're not going to do that. You're not going to treat me and my family that way. We've moved all the way across here. I haven't done anything wrong. We're having revival. We have all kinds of people getting saved. We had young people in our church. I'd brought in guitars and drums, and we had all this stuff going on. And all of a sudden, because I spoke up, because I said something about what was happening, I got, I got disciplined. But you know what? I didn't handle it right. And in a moment of time, I said, you know what? You're not going to talk to me that way. You're not going to treat me that way. I didn't do anything to deserve this. I quit. And 18 years ago, I quit the ministry. 18 years ago, I walked away from God's precious church, these 750 precious Africans. Zambia is an awesome country, and they speak a lot of English, and they loved us. And it was very hard, but yet it was God. God was moving. It was a tremendous time. And so I walked away. I got mad. I said, you know what? That's it. I quit. I quit. I sold all my books. I sold all my books to a pastor there. I pulled my kids and my wife, and we came back to the States because I was so full of pride, and I just could not deal with this situation in a proper way. I could not just not judge my brother. I could not just pray for him. I could not just try to work this situation out. I just got mad, and I just said, I'm leaving. And I left all that God had done in my life. I left all that God had done in my life up to that point in time, 18 years. The point of the whole thing is I want to tell you something, and this is what I want to talk to you about real quick this morning, is after I made that decision, I entered into the wilderness. I entered into the wilderness for, and I'm ashamed to say this, I entered into the wilderness for 10 years. 10 years. Don't amen that. 10 years. It was horrible. And, I, and, and for 10 years, Carrie and I were, what, what did we do wrong? For 10 years, we became bitter. We didn't come back to the States and go back to our old lives and start partying again. So we were, I was 40. It was it's too late for that. All those days were over. But I didn't want to do that. We didn't come back to do that, but we came back and we tried to go to churches. And, and I, I'd go to church and, then, and my, my kids know and we'd go and I'd sit there for a few minutes and go, oh man, this is, we're out of here. Let's go. And I'd get up and leave. I was one of those guys. And I hate that. I hate that in my life, and I hate remembering that. And so we tried to go to church, and I tried to get my kids in church, and, and I knew we needed to do that, but I just couldn't do it. And so we pulled ourselves away from the family of God. We pulled ourselves away from church. I had jobs. I had good jobs. I, I worked my way up. I went back to a community college and got my degree, right? Sierra and I graduated from MHCC. So did my son. So... Uh, 40 years old, got my high school diploma. 
Anyway, we came back, and uh, life, life became very hard, very difficult. After all that we had seen, and we, Carrie and I would lay in bed, and we'd just say, you know, why? Why did this happen? Why? And why hasn't no one reached out to us and all of these things? For, for many, many years, we were very bitter, very angry, very angry and very bitter. So life just went on. We just, came, we just got closer. Carrie and I got closer together. We still loved our kids. We saw our kids grow up, and we married them off. We had grandkids, and, and we just, I bought a house in the country, and I spent 10 years remodeling a house. That's what we did for church every weekend. And my life was miserable, and I was in this wilderness for that long. Immediately, Jesus is thrust out, driven out into the wilderness. You know the scene. You see the scene. Here he is, and he's coming on the scene, and, and, and he walks up, and all of that 30 years that he lived faithfully, all those years that he was a good kid, all those years he didn't sin, all those years he was a good carpenter, he was a good employee. He knew the scriptures. He would even, he would even baffle the teachers in the synagogue. All those years he was faithful. He's walking up, and he goes, he sees his cousin, Obviously, they had never met or seen each other for a long time. John had been in the wilderness. And his cousin says, this is it. This is the man. This is he who's mightier than I. I'm not even worried to untie his sandals. And he comes up, and all these people are, this is it, man. This is the start. And he gets baptized, and he goes down, he comes up, and the Holy Spirit falls on him. And his father from heaven Heaven is ripped open, and it's just a, a word picture, just a metaphor of a picture of God speaks. He says, you are my son. You are my son, and you, I am well pleased. I love you. I am well pleased with you. And immediately, Mark is very fond of using the word immediately. Immediately, he's thrust into the desert. And I was thinking about that. It's like, like here's Jesus, and like, really, Father? Really? Everything is going pretty good. Everything was going pretty good for us in Africa. And all of a sudden, I thrust myself into the desert. But here is Jesus, and he's thrust into the desert. After all of this, 40 days fasting, it's cold, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's hot in the daytime, it's cold at night, there's wild animals, it's the Judean desert. I had an opportunity to go there with like 40 other pastors and, and preach at different places at all these archaeological sites to kind of help us understand what we were preaching about in, 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 in the 90s. And I saw this Judean desert, we went up to Masada and it's right down below that in the, in the Dead Sea. Anyway, it's just a, it's a radical place. It's a radical place. And Jesus is there alone, and he's fasting. He's not eating. He had to be tested. And today, today, I just want you to know, you know, the wilderness and what you have to understand, and what I had to understand, and it took me 10 years, is the wilderness is not a punishment. It's a, it's a test. It's the testing of God. And you say, well, how can it be a test? Moses, Joshua, David, Elijah, John the Baptist, Jesus, they all went through it. And any one of us in here, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, you're going to go through the desert. You're have a wilderness experience. Oh, and it's an experience. But every single one of us will go through that. All through the Word of God, the Scriptures depicts 
the presence of God, the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, blessings of God with water, you know, the rivers of living water or a stream or whatever it may be, but it depicts loneliness. It depicts uh, distress and doubt, uh, alienation from God. It always depicts it with the desert, with the wilderness. And in a spiritual wilderness, God feels really far away, let me tell you. When you're in a spiritual wilderness, and I think, and the reason I'm preaching this this morning is because, and I do know some of you, so I do know the stories because my heart is for this church, and I just, I, I, I'm just, the, I'm the lead old guy. Yeah. I'm taking that. I'm just taking that, okay? Where's Jeff? Where's Jeff? Too, too bad. I was here first. Self-proclaimed, <laughs> self-proclaimed lead guy. And, and Ken came later, and John, some other guys. So, But I, I just love being here. I love helping. I love just doing what I can. This was my second chance that I prayed for for years and years. God, I'm so sorry. And during that time in the wilderness, before the end of it, I was filled with regret, filled with remorse. Why? Why did I do this, God? I did this. Why did I do this? As a wilderness man, God feels so far away. He feels so distant. Wilderness can be a good place too. It's in those times. I skipped all those uh, scripture references, didn't I? <laughs> I had some good scripture references. I did have some slides. And Alex is looking at me like, too late, dude. It's over. <laughs> no, you know what? I skipped some notes. That's what I did. Thanks. Thank you. That's just because the time's sticking away. I, I'm just totally paranoid about that. <laughs> Simon, will, Simon will hurt me if I go over. <laughs> My point is this morning, you know, you, you, nobody who wants to follow Jesus, you're, you're not going to avoid the desert. And my heart is for you because I've been through the desert. And I'm telling you, 10 years is a long time, man. Ten years a long time. And you know, I, I had jobs, and every job that I had, I worked with a lot of hardcore construction guys. And every job I had, they knew, they thought I was a Christian. I never got back into the old life at all. And I, it was just in me to witness and share the gospel with people. I would pray with people if they were sick. But I wasn't going to church. I wasn't going to any church. I wasn't around Christians. I was around my wife, my kids, and myself. That's a dangerous and I wasn't a Christian. I was, I was a hypocrite. But during those times, there were, there were glimpses of God, glimpses of my past. Don't misunderstand the wilderness this morning. The wilderness can come in a form of depression. You could be in a wilderness this morning, and that's what I'm wondering this morning. That's what I'm asking you this morning. Maybe you've been in a, in a wilderness or a, or a place of the desert for a while. And you come to church, and you know, I know you smile, and I know you shake hands, and I know you, you guys look great. But you know what? Inside, maybe there's something going on. Maybe it's a difficult time in marriage. Maybe you're married here this morning, maybe it's a difficult time, or you felt like, man, this has been like a wilderness. Maybe you're, maybe you're just depressed, Maybe you're lonely this morning, and, and you've had this loneliness for a long time, and it's a wilderness. Maybe, you're, maybe it's a wilderness of maybe being single. 
if you, if you don't want to be. If you want to be single and you feel God is calling you that, praise God, that's, that's awesome. But if you don't, and you're not married, and you see your friends being married or whatever, and I'm not thinking of anybody in specific at all, but I'm just thinking, you know what, that is a wilderness sometimes, that people can get lost in that. You could be lonely, you could be sad, you could be depressed for long periods of time, and where are you, God? Where are you? I, you know, I'm going to church, I'm reading my Bible, but I, mean, I pray, I don't hear anything back from you. And that's the test. Because God is wanting us to exercise our faith even when there's no feedback. Where's the feedback? Even when you don't hear him. He wants you to still pray. He wants you to still believe. Test. James says, we have that slide. <laughs> Sorry. We do. For, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And God is going to test us. God, if, you've been, if you've been a believer for any length of time, you know what I'm talking about. But the wilderness I'm talking about today, the wilderness, the desert, I'm talking about is something much more. It's not just being depressed in the week and we all, you know, we all have our issues. It's not just going without some stuff for a while or, or yeah, you're a little sad or whatever. I'm talking about a, 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 a wilderness I'm talking about a desert, and you've been there for a while, but God wants to help you this morning, because in my desert, in the middle of that whole thing, I began to receive some revelations from God, of God's love. Yeah, amen. And what happened is, and what can happen in a desert too, and I want you to see this, is that you can just begin to long and begin to think about the good times in the past. And that's okay. And as you begin to reflect and you begin to reevaluate and you begin to, I used to think, and I, so I would, I would be there and I would, I would think about my friends that are still pastoring. I would, I would actually go online and I would look at Bible conferences and I would see my friends that were still pastors. They were old like me. They were getting gray hair, you know, and we were young and it was like, dude, you look old. And I looked in the mirror. I said, yeah, time's gone by. And I would think about those good times. I would think about my old life and I would miss it. But it would generate something in me. Another heart would develop where I began to just, just weep and cry and just begin to repent and, and whatever. God, where are you? There's a quote. How many know who Colin O'Brady is? Can I see that quote? Colin O'Brady, apparently he's from Portland. He's the guy about three weeks ago that, that was solo across the Antarctic. Yeah, yeah, it is. You thought about doing that too, haven't you? So I think Colin O'Brady is from Portland, but I wish he was here this morning. It would be an awesome testimony. This is a tweet that he, this is part of a tweet I took. I saw this. I'm gonna, I just want to read this real quickly. It says, while the last 32 hours, and this is my, my parentheses, to remind myself, and I thought I was going to be reading it, of 54 days in, in the wilderness of ice and cold and being alone, of the last 32 hours were some of the most challenging hours of my life. They have quite honestly been some of the best moments I have ever experienced. I was locked in a deep flow state. Gabby, is that, where's Gabby? Is that like hyper focus? Did they call that? Sweet spot.
can we, can we call it hyperfocus? That's, that's in my notes. I just wrote that down. Okay. Okay, so here he is. I was locked in a deep flow state the entire time, equally focused on the end goal while allowing my mind to recount the profound lessons of this journey. So I saw him on the news, and I saw him in a tent. Did you see that? Where he, He's weeping and crying, and I don't know if I can make it. I'm so alone. It's so cold. He wouldn't stop. He wouldn't, he's the first man, solo, unassisted, to, to cross the Antarctica. But those are the words that he says. He says, look, he says, I was so hyper-focused. I was so focused in this deep flow state the entire time, but I focused on the end goal. I focused on the end goal, and I allowed my mind to recount the profound lessons of this journey. Jesus, after 40 days, was fasting. He's hungry. In our text, he's vulnerable. Yes, you you think, well, he's God, man. He's okay. He's protected. No. He's 100% man as well. And in every one of those, you've got to remember, every one of these temptations, we didn't get into all of that. The other gospels cover Satan himself, our greatest enemy, his greatest enemy, tempting him with all of these things, every one of those things he wanted to do, or it wouldn't have been a temptation. But he, ran, he, went, he won all three rounds, man. 40 days, yes. 40 days, no food. 40 days alone. 40 days praying. 40 days in the wilderness with wild beasts, animals, wild animals, 2,000 years ago in the Judean desert. And he won. He beat him. He passed the test, not because he was God, but because he was hyper-focused. And you know what? He was hyper-focused on you. He was hyper-focused on you and me this morning. He had set his face like a flint for the cross. He, and for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He went to the cross. He was focused on you and me as he's there in the wilderness because he knew he had to do this. It was a test. But he came to fulfill all righteousness. That's what he told John. He said, look, i got to do this. No, no, no. You, you, you baptize me, Jesus. And there's a little argument with his cousin. And Jesus said, no, no, no. I've got to be baptized by you. I'm doing this because you know what? From this point on, this is a new thing. This is a new covenant. These are new people. This renewal is happening. And I'm going to be the head of it. So he had to be tested. He had to fulfill his father's will completely. I want to close real quick, you guys. It's only been 30 minutes, so give me a, give me a break. My mouth is like cotton. I feel, I feel like my tongue is on the, on the ground. I don't want any water because I'm too nervous to drink it, so I'll probably drool and spill all over myself. That's what old people do. So verses 10 and 11. Can I have that text again? I'm sorry. Mark. Verses 10 and 11. Look at verses 10 and 11. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit of God, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. He said, you are my beloved son, and with you I am well pleased. With you I am well pleased. Jesus beat that. He beat the test because he heard that. You're my son, man. The love of the Father, the affirming love of the Father. And, and the power of the Holy Spirit, which I could have got into today, but I'm going to leave that for Simon. Because we could have got into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We could have got into speaking in tongues. We got a, a lot of stuff, but I didn't do that. So I, I don't want to tackle that. 
Eight years ago, about eight years ago, my, my last 32 hours of my journey through the wilderness were up. It was about eight years ago. I got to get my notes correct here. So my other beautiful daughter, besides this one, Carly, they're both the apples of my eyes. I don't know how that works, but they both have one of my eyes. And uh, my daughter Carly worked her way uh, through high school, studied very hard, and just uh, uh, really applied herself. And she got herself into college. It was, it's kind of a marginal college. I don't know if you've heard of it, Oregon State University. And so... Uh, some of you know that, right? Have you ever heard of that, OSU? So, um, sorry, Luis. Where's Luis? Luis is U of O, so. <laughs> I love Luis, man. And Caitlin. So my daughter Carly found herself, uh, uh, got into Oregon State. She worked super hard. We helped her get in there as much as we could. Anyway, she, I got to go quick. She, uh, she found a good church down there going to college. And so the, her very first uh, father-daughter day, father-daughter weekend, how many know what that is? Have you been down there? Yeah. Father-daughter weekend. And so she invited me to come. So this is her freshman year, and this is quite a while ago. And she said, Dad, I, I, you know, I want you to go to church with me on Sunday. I said, oh, wait a minute. Father-daughter church day? What? And she goes, Dad, I got a good church. I found a good church. You're going to like it. I said, well, okay. Well, what's a, what is this church? Well, Dad, it's, it's, it's called Grace City. Have you ever heard of that church down there in Corvallis? Okay. Grace City. I said, Grace City. Oh, great. Here we go. And I'm still in the wilderness. Grace City. Sounds like Party City to me, right? <laughs> right? Party City, man. Yeah, woohoo, Jesus. I'm a bitter, I'm a bitter, bitter, bitter ex-pastor. <laughs> And I don't want to go to church, but I love my daughter, and she says, a good church, I trust her. She walked through the wilderness with me. She still had people come to the house and take her to church, and I'm sitting there, right, she's going to church. Ripped my heart out. And she kept going to church. She prayed with me, and she would talk with me all the time. Anyway, so I would go to this church, and so we start, we start going, we're rocking, the worship's happening. Hey, it's not bad, man, not bad. We're on Washington Street, the little platform there. People are playing guitars, and we're worshiping. And I said, this is not too bad. So then we have break, and then we have greeting, and I'm shaking hands with all the people there. And it's like, wow, there's some pretty nice people here. This was pretty good. So then service goes on. We sit down, and all of a sudden, here comes this hipster dude. <laughs> Glasses. He's got his pants rolled up. and He introduces himself as the pastor. Oh, here we go. I'm sitting in my chair. He said his name was Seth Trimmer. Have you ever heard of a Seth Trimmer? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm just kidding, okay? <laughs> Seth Trimmer. So he preaches a sermon, and I'm sitting with my daughter and my son-in-law, David, and Seth began to preach a sermon on the father's love. It's father-daughter weekend. But he preached a sermon that was unbelievable, and it slayed me. And it was powerful. And Pastor Trimmer, I respect him so much. He's a tremendous preacher. And he preached this sermon, and, and it was right to me. It looked right at me. It just ripped my heart out. But at the same time, it was like comforting. But it was powerful, and it was about a father's love. And I broke. I broke. Ten years 
of regret, 10 years of bitterness, 10 years of anger, 10 years of confusion, 10 years of just spiritual loneliness. And all of a sudden, something happened and my heart just broke. And I grabbed my daughter and my son-in-law. I said, I said you need to come with me and pray with me. And we, we went up to the platform, to the altars. I'm, a, I'm an old Pentecostal, and so we, you go to the altar. You meet God at the altar. So I went to the, right, Kristen? So I, we went to the altar, and I grabbed her, and I said, I'm, I'm bawling, man. Yeah, I'm bawling. 50-year-old man just crying my eyes out. I said, you got to pray with me, you guys. And so we went to the altar, and they prayed with me, and they just led me in a prayer. And, and if you're just visiting with us, we, we call it sinner's prayer. It's just a, if, you're, if you don't know God and, and you, you need to kind of turn your life around, that's kind of what that religious word, uh, repentance, means. It's a powerful word, and I don't want to make light of that. When you turn your life around, and I wanted to turn my life back to Jesus that day. And I did. Glory to God. I did. And things just began to change in my life. Things just began to change. And right away, I, I, I ended up uh, coming back to, we were living in Gresham. Uh, we live out in, in Corbett, out in Troutdale. Uh, came back, and I met a friend, went to a church, and he became my best friend to this very day. His name's Rob Strickland, and he's like, I think he was born without sin. I know Jesus was. <laughs> this man and I couldn't have been more opposite because of all the things I've done in my past and every drug that I've ever taken. He's never done any of that stuff. And so uh, he, he walked me through coming out of the wilderness for a long time. And then I found out about Grace City. I talking to Seth, and I met a guy named Simon before, before this church happened. And I said, I, I, I want to be involved. I need a second chance. And we went to, we were at McKaylee's house, the, the third uh, uh, pl- uh, strategic planning meeting at your mom and dad's beautiful house. And I met everybody here. Hannah was pregnant. We played kickball. Hannah's playing kickball pregnant. <laughs> so competitive, man, so competitive. <laughs> Got to know Gabe and Hannah so well, and they've been such a blessing. Josh and Raya, everybody. If I started naming names, Caleb Smith befriended me, Kate Horman, Kate Steele. It sounds like a superwoman name, you know, like a super... <laughs> Kate Steele, superhuman. And everybody welcomed us, Carrie and I, into this church plant. And we were here from the beginning. And everybody welcomed us, and it felt like home. And, and all of a sudden, God just began to heal me. God just began to heal me and just began to take me out of that. All of that bitterness began to f- fall away. But, but how it happened was I heard that the Father loved me again. I hadn't heard that for a long time because I didn't put my place to where I could hear it. Don't leave the church if you're in a wilderness. Don't leave the church. Don't leave your family. Don't leave the people of God. There's no hope by yourself, man. There's no hope. And I heard that God loved me that day when Seth preached. Jesus heard that too as well. And that's how he made it. He knew the father said, you're my son. And I'm telling you this morning, the minute, the minute you bow your knee to Jesus this morning, if you've never done that, please, today could be a great day. But the minute you bow your knee to Jesus, the minute you repent, the minute you turn your life over to Jesus, immediately he says, you're my daughter, Karen. You're my son, Jacob. You're my son. And with you, man, I'm so pleased. What did Jesus do to to earn the Father's love at this point in time? Nothing. Nothing. He's just starting. He's just starting his ministry. He comes up out of the water as a first step. He's just getting baptized. He hasn't done anything. But the Father says, I love you. You don't have to do anything for that love. 
You don't have to do anything to, to receive the Father's love today. It's free. It's free. And he says, you're my daughter. You're my beloved daughter. You're my beloved son. And with you, I'm well pleased. And the power of those two truths, the power of the Holy Spirit, which I didn't get a whole lot into, but the power of knowing the Father's love for you, we can, we can endure the, the wilderness. You'll come out of it. And I'm so much better. Just a month ago, and I'm clo- I am closing, I promise. <laughs> Caitlin's like, no, she's not. Real quick, I just want to say, one month ago, I ended up calling an old pastor friend of mine. I saw a newspaper article, and him and his wife um, were really good friends with Carrie and I. And they were, they're planning a church in Beaverton. He's 52 years old, and they're planning a church. And you know how they plan a church? How we used to plant churches? You're by yourself, man. It's you and your wife. I'm not saying it's the best way. I'm just saying. And they go to Beaverton, and he just begins to meet people. They rented a building. They got a building. They got about 20 people now. They're doing baptisms this morning, and I, I told them I'd pray for them. But, I, but I, the point of it is I reconciled with him, and I forgave him, and he forgave me, and there's just so much healing, such a powerful thing. God's good, man. God's faithful. God's faithful. I wasn't. I wasn't. You may feel like you're in the desert today, whatever you're, whatever you're battling and you feel like, man, I'm a failure. I'm not faithful. I'm not a failure. God's faithful. And sometimes it takes a crisis for us to get to him to where we can just trust him. He wants us to. That's why he allows that. That's why he sends us into the wilderness. He needed to work some things out of this prideful man. It took 10 years. That I'll tell you something about this, this stubbornness, this thick head. But he's faithful. Do you know the Father's love this morning? Yeah. Luis, why don't you come up? Sorry, brother. Have you been standing there a long time? Okay. <laughs> First time in 18 years, so it's been a while. And anyway, no, 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 no. Jesus. The whole point is Jesus this morning. Amen. The whole point is that he is merciful, that he is faithful, that he sees you in your desert. He knows where you're at. He knows exactly where you're at. But, but we do too. We know because this is our family. This is our church. Don't leave this church. There are people that have left this church that we, I have poured my life into. They have left this church, and it breaks my heart. You're not going to make it on, on your own out there. If you're in a wilderness or in a desert, you need us. You need brothers and sisters. You need a pastor. Thank God for Simon and Shirley. Thank God for this church. What God is doing here is a miracle, you guys. I have a great, such a great, great appreciation and so grateful and so thankful for what God's done in my life. You wonder why I'm happy all the time when I come here, man. I am so, this isn't happening everywhere, folks. This is a miracle of God. It is. But there's lots more to do. There's lots more people to reach. That's why we need to be healthy. You need to know God's love this morning. You need to know that he says, you're my daughter, you're my son. You're my daughter. And you need to have that gift of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to make it through. Do you have that this morning? You can. Let's sing a song. Is that how we do this? <laughs> it's all yours now, man. I'm done. So, You want me to sing? Oh, oh I'm so sorry. We are going to take communion real quickly this morning, guys. I thought he wanted me to sing. I could sing, man. I could sing. 
I know some 80s songs. We're going to take communion real quickly this morning. I forgot that's, I'm going to introduce that as well. What an awesome time to take communion. Do you know the Father's love? Thanks, man. I forgot about my Bible. We're going to remember what Jesus did for us. Not only did he do in the wilderness, he fought for you, but he went to the cross. That was the ultimate. And we saw all through the book of Mark him suffering, and he goes to the cross, and he suffered. He agonized. He had a desert again in the Gethsemane, in the Garden of Gethsemane, going to the cross. But he went, he did it, and he paid the price for us. He shed his blood. His body was broken for you and I, and that's why we do this. But let's, let it be a celebration this morning. It always is, and I know it's solemn. Most of the time it's solemn for me. It's very solemn. But today, let's, let's let it be a celebration. Jesus, thank you. Let me pray real quick before we start. Jesus, thank you for, for all that you've done for us, God, that you're the living God that came, the Son of God, and you did go to the cross. You did suffer, and you did die a horrible, wicked death for us. But God, you raised your Son from the dead. And we celebrate that resurrection life. We celebrate by remembering that the blood that Jesus shed for a remission of our sins today and his body that was broken for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Where's the gluten-free? Back that way?